The text for today's message is 2 Chronicles 15, 9-19. Then he assembled all Judah and Benjamin and the people from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon, who had settled among them. For large numbers had come over to him from Israel when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. They assembled at Jerusalem in the third month of the fifteenth year of Asa's reign. At that time, they sacrificed to the Lord 700 head of cattle and 7,000 sheep and goats from the plunder they had brought back. They entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, with all their heart and soul. All who would not seek the Lord, the God of Israel, were to be put to death, whether small or great, man or woman. They took an oath to the Lord with loud acclamation, with shouting and with trumpets and horns. All Judah rejoiced about the oath because they had sworn it wholeheartedly. They sought God eagerly, and he was found by them. So the Lord gave them rest on every side. King Asa also deposed his grandmother, Makah, from her position as queen mother because she had made a repulsive Asherah pole. Asa cut the pole down, broke it up, and burned it in the Kidron Valley. Although he did not remove the high places from Israel, Asa's heart was fully committed to the Lord all his life. He brought into the temple of God the silver and gold and the articles that he and his father had dedicated. There was no more war until the 35th year of Asa's reign. Well, it's a, a good morning or good afternoon to you. Um, we're continuing to look uh, at the life of King Asa recorded in Second Chronicles um, chapter 14 through 16. Um, our overarching theme uh, has been reliance upon God. Uh, Asa demonstrated that reliance uh, even when he, uh, or even when the data or the numbers or conventional wisdom militated against it. Uh, thereby, he began a program of reform, uh, eradicating the idols um, from Judah, as well as experiencing a mighty victory through the hand of God against a much larger Cushite army. Asa also relied on conviction uh, that he received from God's word, spoken through the prophet Azariah, to stand courageous before God and continue the hard work. Uh, what I see today in uh, our passage is a passionate expression uh, by Asa and the Israelites of their devotion uh, to God. Uh, hence my title. Uh, I think my title is Reliance by Passion, but I, I think it's po posted as Reliance on Passion. So by passion, through passion, with passion. Um, the euphoric celebration of victory and dedication flowed from Asa's leadership to the Israelites as well. Uh, they became caught up in the fervency of enthusiasm uh, for the Lord, overflowing uh, from the support that God had given to Asa. Um, today's sermon will examine this passion for the Lord. Um, so I'm going to section, I'd like to section today's message uh, into three parts. So I, I see the passionate expression, right? First of assembly, verses 9 and 10 talk about how they gather together. And then uh, passionate worship, right? We see how they sacrificed uh, a whole a plethora of animals. And then a passionate commitment. There was oath-taking, there was a binding covenant, uh, and uh, much more. Uh, I'm using the word passion not in its uh, Latin root meaning, uh, which you know, passion actually means suffering, uh, as in the passion of the Christ, 
Uh, I'm using it more in the modern sense of fervency, excitement, desire, focus uh, on certain activities, ideals, experiences, objects, persons, right? Uh, that are of heightened, if not extreme, interest to somebody or a group of, of persons. Uh, I'd like to emphasize uh, within the idea of passion, the concept of wholeheartedness. Right? To me, they're, they're, they're synonymous. The right kind of passion um, and the wholehearted aspect, especially in our passion for God. Uh, true passion is consuming. Uh, it takes all of you, all the time. And that's the, kind, that's the kind of passion by which uh, we should depend on God. I'll try to point out um, within each of the three passionate activities um, how this reliance, how this abandon even uh, manifests. So let's take a closer look. Uh, the first uh, type of passionate activity that uh, I'd like to point out and that we, we can read is um, among the people is that of assembly. They gather together in this kind of passionate manner. Verses 9 and 10 talk about how they were called together by King Asa. Um, but more than just responding to a summons uh, by the king, the people excitedly wanted to come together. You didn't have to push them. You didn't have to, you didn't have to cajole them. You didn't have to like give them incentive. Right? Asa said, let's get together, let's assemble. And the people did it with passion, you know, with a single-minded purpose uh, to express their devotion to God. It says that Asa assembled all of Judah and Benjamin. Um, these are the two ancestral tribes that belonged to the nation of Judah, Judah since back in the days of Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, the son of David, when the nation of Israel split into two kingdoms. So the southern kingdom of Judah was comprised mainly of these two tribes. Um, they were large enough to sustain an entire nation, an entire kingdom, by themselves. Uh, these people uh, of the two tribes were historically loyal to the lineage of David. So naturally, right, they would respond to Asa. They were used to it. Notably, however, there are those who had come over from the northern kingdom of Israel. Right? Those are the uh, ten other tribes. Uh, to join in the kingdom led by Asa. According to verse 9, this included people from the tribes of Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon. It settled among the people of Judah in large numbers. And the specific reason given was that they saw that the Lord his God was with him, referring to Asa. Um, they came not because of economic opportunities. Right? It wasn't about good schools or more affordable housing. Uh, these people were drawn to the land of Judah because of Asa's exemplary relationship with God. The Lord was upholding and blessing Asa in his work. And these people recognized God's presence and desired to become part of this blessing of God. These transplants, as you, if you will, um, from the northern kingdom, they will illustrate the wholehearted aspect of this kind of gathering together, this assembly. Uh, these people took huge risk in moving to Judah because of Asa. They were willing to defect, right? Defect and uproot their families and change their citizenship. I don't think they would be welcomed back uh, to the Northern Kingdom if they were ever so inclined. 
But this passion for God, it drove them to a new place, even at great opportunity cost. A big change was a small price to pay to follow God wholeheartedly. Uh, national nationality or tribal loyalties. Uh, this did not prevent these folk from making their way down to the southern kingdom. And we might apply that in our day uh, to the various differences that we feel among people, ethnic differences, cultural disparities, even the, the political divide that we see that is so strong. When God is at work, we can still passionately assemble, get together, be together, serve together, share together, yeah, because our core identity transcends those differences. Following Christ is greater than any other loyalties we might subscribe to. You know, obviously, dur during our pandemic, it certainly has been difficult to assemble. I hope that when the opportunity for more regular safe gathering is provided, yeah, we can be led by this kind of passion, right? Passionate desire that drove the people who wanted to be where God was working. Uh, may that passion serve as our motivation as well. And even if we can't assemble uh, fully in person for a while, uh, in the present, in the now, I hope there's a desire to somehow you know, join our hearts together uh, through other means, technological or otherwise. Um, I'm sure almost all of us have experienced some sort of Zoom fatigue, right? This uh, gathering digitally is, uh, it, has, it, take, it ha takes its toll. But let's keep applying the admonition in Hebrews 10.25, which says, let us not give up uh, meeting together and encouraging one another. Let's keep at it. Let's keep that, fan that flame of passion alive. We may not be able to attend every occasion, but I exhort us to prioritize as we can. And when we attend, I hope we can be focused. I hope we can be present in a way that shows our passion, not just a duty, not just a habit, not just a default, but a desire to be with God's people in God's presence. Because, you know, when we're reluctant or we're half-hearted, yeah, it, it, that's what makes, you know, gatherings burdensome. That's what, uh, it's, it's not healthy. And so uh, the example, the, 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 the situation that we, we read about uh, among the people of Asa, I think is encouraging, helpful, encouragingly helpful. Okay, the second area where passion was on display was in their worship of God, this activity, this experience, this practice of worship. The Israelites that assembled did more than come together for military purposes or camaraderie or to just kind of party together. The key event, the key purpose of this gathering, it was a mass sacrificial offering. In verse 11, the tremendous scope of their sacrifice is evident. 700 cattle along with 7,000 sheep and goats were killed as a sacrifice of worship to God. It looks like these animals were selected from the plunder they had retrieved from their victory over the army of Cush. Um, perhaps it was a tithe of what they gathered or had taken. Uh, maybe it was more than that. Uh, it seems like it's a, it's a large amount, right? The import is that this, 
large sacrifice was offered to express their devotion uh, to God. You know, what they were willing to sacrifice was costly. Uh, I think it would have been more financially prudent to offer, let's say, a reasonable number of animals. Kind of, you know, what, what made sense. Um, you know, sometimes famine and drought could cause economic hardship. Uh, maybe God provided, the argument would go, maybe God provided this bounty to help the Israelites for a future contingency. Yeah. You know, while those uh, reasons might have been reasonable or, or acceptable considerations, for the people that gathered, it was their priority at that time to thank God, to attribute to him the glory and honor yeah, for their great victory over the Cushites. You know, even if there was nothing left, even if there was no plunder to take back to the family and the home for their own consumption or for their you know, future need, at that moment, they wanted so badly to worship God passionately. Um, and so they, they were willing to, to you know, use uh, all these animals to express their, their heart of thanks, their heart of love, their heart of, of commitment right, to God. And I think they would think if God was pleased, he could certainly provide for them again what was needed, if there was more need in the future. Yeah, they didn't rely on a safety net or a nest egg, we, we say. They chose to express their wholehearted worship with an extravagant sacrifice of praise. Um, the New Testament counterpart, you know, par excellence, is, of course, the uh, alabaster jar woman who poured the perfume contents uh, upon Jesus. She anointed Jesus. Um, the disciples of Jesus, as they were observing, they, they became indignant that something so expensive could be depleted in one fell swoop. Uh, there were a lot of other needs to which that to which the money could have been applied. Uh, but Jesus rebukes them for missing the point of worship. He calls what she did for him a beautiful act. Yeah, she anointed him in preparation for his burial to follow his impending death. She understood that he was going to die. She went all in to show her devotion to Christ. This was something that the disciples refused to accept. Yeah, she was worshiping. They were denying that Jesus would die. And so uh, her story, her devotion, her sacrifice, um, it's told wherever the gospel is preached, as Jesus had prophesied. I submit that the Israelites back in Asa's day had a, a similar heart right, for their own situation. They demonstrated this major expenditure of sacrificial animals. Uh, it was an appropriate symbol of their holy passion for God's, for the God who had delivered them. Uh, you know, I think we can have a definite application uh, of what we see, what we read there to our own acts, our own uh, worship today. Uh, the sacrificial system, of course, was consummated in the atonement wrought by Christ. And so we don't need to offer physical animals and make blood atonement on any sort of basis, regular or otherwise. Um, our worship experience today is an extension of uh, Romans 12, 1 to 2, where we are told that we should present our bodies, our lives, 
as living uh, sacrifices, holy and pleasing uh, to God. Uh, you know, uh, one instance, for example, could be how we pray. If we just went, had a great uh, praise time. Now, instead of watching a musical performance by talented people, rather, we inhabit, we, we find ourselves you know, devoted, passionate, wholehearted uh, in our praise. We lift our voices musically, you know, whether we sing well or not, uh, to exalt and adore God. No, there's no room for detachment. There's no room for uh, being worried about how we sound or to be fiddling with distractions. That'd be, not, that'd be inconsonant with the passion and devotion of the people that we see in Asa's large-scale uh, worship service. You know, when we praise God, you know, whatever our style is, loud or soft, quiet or, or expressive, I think we should get into it. Yeah. Get into whatever that means for you. Right? Um, whatever uh, our particular expressions or our emotives uh, are, right? certainly the, the inner focus, the inner concentration, the dedication um, should be there. It's not time to check social media. It's not time to eat lunch. It's not time to daydream. Right? It's time to show God, express God to God, you know, how much we love him, how much we're grateful uh, for him. Uh, last night, I was uh, listening in on a praise team, our church, church's praise team Zoom meeting. And um, they were, uh, they're doing, it was near the end, they were um, doing prayer topics, right? And Marge, Sister Marge was uh, leading that time. And she used this phrase that really stuck with me. She said that we should pray that uh, we experience spiritual change uh, through our praise. Yeah, spiritual change. Uh, I really like that kind of emphasis, right? Not just emotional uplift. Let's have that. You're not just appreciation for a chance to uh, um, sing, not just good lyrics, not just, you know, all the good technology, but spiritual change uh, as we as we pray, as we praise, yeah. yeah, we forget about ourselves, magnify the Lord, and His Spirit, you know, works in us. That's the kind of passionate worship that I think the uh, the Israelites um, demonstrated. Another aspect, another way that we can be a living sacrifice in emulation of the Israelites here in the context of worshiping God is, you know, uh, our participation in the giving of resources, you know, monetary or other resources that God has entrusted to us to do the work of God's kingdom. And for example, you know, the regular tithes and offerings. Yeah, this is a biblical principle um, that can evince our passion uh, for God. Right? Each person, it says in 2 Corinthians 2, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, should decide in their heart you know, how much the Lord wants each of us to contribute to the treasure of God's people, right? Uh, this amount, right, it can be governed by a number of biblical examples. Old Testament, they tithed. Uh, there was a, in the Old Testament, there was also a free will offering when they were building like the tabernacle in Exodus. People gave what the, you know, God motivated them 
to give to to build the to get to collect for the tabernacle. There are other temple repair uh, rebuild drives. The collection taken up by the Macedonian churches for Paul's um, relief offering, re relief fund for the famine-stricken Jerusalemites. The widow with her two copper pennies. Right? And Barnabas selling property to meet the needs of people. There's, there's a lot of examples. But we, we take those and we pray and we figure out what God wants to do. And we commit and we give. You know, even, you know, sacrificially, even uh, generously. Uh, that expresses a passionate desire to worship God, in other words. By the way, praise God for uh, moving our hearts to give uh, to the Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving mission offering, right? We think collected like 13, almost 13,595, is that the number? Uh, to, for the Graffiti Kids Ministry. And uh, I told Pastor Kareem, and he was very grateful and was praising the Lord. Um, an additional 7,000 came... Um, for as a special mission offering for um, Thailand and Honduras. So that was another opportunity of, of thanks. And God really answered our prayer that even during a pandemic, uh, we can share in his goodness uh, with others. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the, 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 the aspect of worshiping God through, through giving. Yeah. And the determination of amount, it should be done cheerfully and willingly voluntarily. So the question, does our giving, both in manner and amount, reflect the passion for God's work? Or, you know, maybe in the area of money, uh, our spending, our saving habits indicate that we have a passion for something else. Those are the questions that I'd like us to ask ourselves. Okay, on to the third and last expression of passion, um, which is the entering into a covenant along with the oaths that were taken by uh, the people. So we did assembly, we did worship, we did now passionate commitment. Uh, the people took a public oath to the Lord with loud acclamation and great fanfare. Uh, this vow that they took was not only significant in and of itself, but it led to all of the people rejoicing. Right? They were rejoicing because everyone took this seriously. This passionate commitment was not just by a committed few. It was by all the people. And that's what really gave them uh, a sense of, of joy, a, a common joy um, together. Yeah, you know, some, sometimes rejoicing at the, happens um, when something occurs that we want, something that we've been waiting for. It can be an offshoot of emotions and desires that are released in loud sounds and gesticulation. Right? Sometimes rejoicing is spontaneous because it reveals what we really want. It's really cool to me that these people, what they wanted was this united, this concerted commitment, passionate commitment uh, to God. Passion is, I think, a great thing for us to experience. Passion adds vitality and strength to difficult tasks or gives us perseverance for something in the long haul. It's really neat to see, like, let's say a quirky person, if they're really into something and you see, like, what they're willing to do or, you know, where they spend their time. It's kind of it's often very interesting, uh, sometimes weird, right, <laughs> but interesting to see a person's passion. And you want passionate people as co-workers. Universities want students passionate about learning or about a particular subject matter. But passion 
is not always positive. It's not always good. It can manifest in negative ways as well. You know, passion is the root of obsession, uh, it can be said. A person for uh, a passion with gratification for pleasure, uh, it can lead us to pursue illicit desires that can destroy life, destroy others. A stalker certainly is passionate for the stocky. Is that a term? Yeah. yeah. Those are manifestations of passion as well. So what I'm talking about here is this holy passion. Yeah. Not, not only for God, but they were so blessed. They were so excited that everybody wanted to commit themselves, heart and soul, right? Wholeheartedly uh, to God. This oath that the people were taken, that had been sworn wholeheartedly, this is what uh, made their joy uh, complete. Yeah, their reliance upon God was not tepid or limited or conditional. They gave themselves over fully to the Lord, come what may, or come whatever God would have them do or send their way. It was putting their full trust in God, in God alone. It was the peak of worship and devotion and dedication uh, to God. Again, it wasn't because of the great victory. It wasn't because the data and the statistics were positive. It wasn't even because there was a historic and epical work taking place. The exact reason given is that the people had sworn an oath to God wholeheartedly together. This kind of full-throated dependence that was comprehensive and exhaustive, this uh, excited uh, the people. Do you, does that happen to us? When we see not only our commitment, but the commitment shared by those that we care about, by those who are in our families, those who are in our church, those who are in our community, Right? If, if indeed the, the, the nation or the world could really be united in dedicating themselves to God, right? would that fill us with, would that be an answer to prayer? Would that fill us with joy? I mean, you know, Lucy's prayer, I think, spoke to, in that way, this kind of revival, this kind of work of God in all levels of our lives and our experience. And talk about consequential reliance upon God. There was a great cost involved here. Right? It wasn't just like, all right, everyone who wants to commit, you know, say aye or raise your hands. It wasn't like a, like a vote, right? It was, it, was, it, it, it was risky, right? If you committed yourself, it was a big step you were taking. And then if you didn't commit yourself, you're non-committal, that was even scarier, right? Uh, it says, for the non-committal people among them, Let's reread uh, verse 13. All who would not seek the Lord, the God of Israel, were to be put to death, whether small or great, man or woman. Yeah, the assembly did not look kindly upon those who would not seek the Lord, the God of Israel. They're ready to slay them, right? To execute them if they would not passionately commit to God, regardless of gender or social status. That's how serious, that's how severe uh, they uh, took uh, what was happening. This commitment to God was all in or all out. Yeah, that, that's risky. That's costly. You, you got to depend, you got to rely on God if you're serious about it or, or not. Right? 
Now, there's no evidence that they actually executed anyone. Um, I'm not sure if they did, but again, it, it shows how uh, very serious they were about what they were doing. Now, I don't know if we can make a direct application uh, of that action today or if it's binding <laughs> upon a uh, binding precedent uh, for us. But again, it, it, it talks about their, uh, how they were trying to effectuate a united commitment to God. Those who are not one in spirit were to be removed from the uh, assembly. And it's disturbing, right? Um, I don't think that, you know, we can say that their plan, again, establishes something that to follow for generations thereafter. But again, it, it gives us a, a sense of how, what a big deal um, this was to them. I, you know, I was thinking perhaps in, in terms of application, uh, we can have that kind of attitude towards sin, towards the non-committed, the non-surrendered parts of our life uh, to God. Similar to uh, Jesus's words in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, we talk about gouging out our eye or, or cutting off our arm if it causes us to sin. It's not, we don't apply that literally, right? But we direct that kind of ruthless attitude towards sin. We amputate any sin or habit that keeps us from God. We do that in the form of repentance and commitment to shun sin and walk in the light of Christ. What was the outcome of all of this? Well, verse 15 talks about how God responded to the Israelites' reliance. Uh, he allowed himself to be found by them and gave them rest on every side. For 20 years, right, from the, from the 15th year when the people assembled to the 35th year of Asa's reign, uh, they were able to experience peace. And God responded. He was pleased with their passion for him. Uh, let's conclude uh, with some last thoughts on Asa. You know, when I personally examine Asa's life, I'm really humbled. Um, I'm challenged by his passion. You know, is my passion anywhere near, passion for God, anywhere near uh, Asa's? I think I have a long, such a long ways to go. But what the Israelites did on a large scale is what Asa did in microcosm. Right? It was his initiative to assemble the people. He wanted the people to gather together. And it was his example uh, that inspired people to, uh, from both kingdoms to gather. And then uh, in verse 18, it says that he brought the silver and gold, uh, the articles that he and his father dedicated, into the temple. So there's his you know, uh, extended uh, offering, his worship, of, his sacrifice uh, of worship. And then maybe the most prominent thing is verse 16, the, the kind of costly actions that this wholehearted oath of faithfulness to God engendered. He had to remove, he had to take down his grandmother from her position, her high royal position, because she was an uh, idolater. She was not, you know, an oath taker that rejoiced in the passion of holiness, passion for the holiness of God. So Asa destroyed the precious Asherah pole that, uh, paraphernalia used to worship another god. Right? He tore it down. He broke it up. He burned it in the Kidron Valley. Right? Asa was ruthless about this idol and about his grandmother's role uh, in that. He didn't allow family ties. He didn't allow humanism to turn him from full devotion to the Lord. And so verse 17 concludes that Asa's heart 
was fully committed to the Lord during the duration of his lifetime. Well, what about this little note? I should comment on it. Uh, he did not remove the high places. Yeah. I think commentators say that um, these high places were not places of idol worship, right? It was something that God did not authorize, right? He wanted worship in the temple. And as a competition by another kingdom, I think the high places were, were created. But that wasn't necessarily a source of idol worship. But, you know, you know, I think a comprehensive, it would have been good for him to take that down. But I don't think it's held against him. So at least up to chapter 15. Asa is a model for passion, for reliance upon God. And let's learn from his example. Okay, let's uh, pray for a couple minutes uh, in reflection.